follow our message today is every knee must bow. Every knee must bow. Coming from the 46th chapter of Isaiah. And as I told you, Isaiah was discussing end time prophecy was the end time for the children of Israel for they'll be carried off into captivity. But it wasn't the end. A lot of them that and it was giving them hope, Lord, that they were going into a, a strange land, but that God had told them to go willingly and that they should submit to their captive because they had been involved in idolatry, the gross idolatry of Manasseh and the generations that had preceded, and that they would be in captivity for some 70 years but that God would conquer the Babylonians, the gods of the Babylonians, and that he would have a restoration of his people and that a remnant would be saved. We struggle and labor under the same uh, readings of the same efforts that God had put in the Old Testament because they were there as a shadow for our admonition unto the to those of us who the ends of the earth should come upon. How we should live in this world, this Babylonian world, the Babylonian system that we're in. And we have to relate that toward that chapter of Isaiah, that 46th chapter, and the rest of those chapters that prophesied the captivity and the return from captivity. As in the book of Revelation, at his end time, when he's bringing an end to the world. And as we read and study the Bible, it's not that we can read just a few verses and understand the Bible, but it's from Genesis to Revelation. A lot of what Jeremiah said and uh, what Zephaniah said, we find wrapped up in the book of Revelations, just as we see what Isaiah had said wrapped up in the book of Revelations. And here he was talking about those idols. If I read it, I'll come back and we'll kind of open it up a little bit. It says that the living in the living version, I read this in the living version. And a lot of times I read these certain versions because I know everyone possesses a King James Bible, but not necessarily everyone has some of the versions that I use or study from. But out of the living version it reads the idols of Babylon, Baal and Nebo are being hauled away on ox carts but look the beasts are stumbling the cart is turning over the gods are falling out unto the ground. Is that the best that they can do if they cannot even save themselves from such a fall how can they save their worshippers from Cyrus listen to me all Israel are left. I have created you and cared for you since you were born. I will be your God through all your lifetime. Yes, even when your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and be your Savior. With what in all of heaven and earth do I compare? Whom can you find who equals me? Will you compare me with an idol made lavishly with silver and with gold. They hire a goldsmith to take your wealth and make a god from it. Then they fall down and worship it. 
They carry it around on their shoulders, and when they set it down, it stays there, for it cannot move. And when someone prays to it, there's no answer, for it cannot get him out of his trouble. Don't forget this, O guilty ones, and don't forget the many times I clearly told you what was going to happen in the future. For I am God, I only, and there is no other like me. Who can you tell? Who can tell you what is going to happen? All I say will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. I will call that swift bird of prey from the east, that man Cyrus from far away, and he will come and do my bidding. I have said I would do it, and I will. Listen to me. You are, you are stubborn, evil men. For I am offering you my deliverance, not in the distant future, but right now, I'm ready to save you, and I will restore Jerusalem and Israel, who is my glory. That's the reading of that 46th chapter. And it, it's a compilation of what Isaiah had been preaching the whole time. And as I said, God says he's the God of creation, that he had created it all. From the beginning, he has told us what the end will be. He has told us of future things and that's why we study his word because not only is it physical warfare but it's spiritual warfare that began in the beginning when satan came in and deceived eve and god promised a redeemer he promised a redeemer and a restoration of mankind at that time and the defeat of satan and to those that God had chosen to enlighten or open their eyes up, they've been fighting this warfare ever since the beginning. There's been many called to this warfare, but only a few chosen. And along the way, a lot of our eyes, uh, some of our eyes will be open to battle, and it's a spiritual warfare. It's not a carnal warfare. We're fighting or not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And sometimes if you miss the Bible studies and the teachings, you miss a great deal of foundational work because I know it's a busy time now, and as we get older, some of us, our eyesight, our reading skills, our research skills are not there. So, you know, if you miss coming and hearing, and it's best to come and hear, yes. but if, if not, you hear it over sermon audio or some other means or have other devices for listening to it, but to the overcomers and those that will overcome, it's a study. We have to study God's work, word. How can I say it? Diligently, each and every day, we have to practice it. We have to be a doer of God's word, yes. because whether we awaken to it or not, there is a war that's going on. There's a a job for each and every one of us to do. And the world is based on idols. It's based on speculation. It's psychological warfare. And Satan, the great deceiver, his ministers in this end time are transforming themselves into angels of light. 
And you were talking earlier about the people in line that were had paid it forward and the guy in front of you paid it back and told you he was paying for your dinner or whatever. I was at the laundromat yesterday and it was an elderly gentleman there in his 70s or whatever. And from his words and things, we were talking of some things. I, I would like to say it was spiritual, but I ended the conversation when I said, well, look, man, I don't want to talk to you. Me and you're not going to agree on this and we're not going to see forth because you're trying to cherry pick the word and you're talking spiritual things, but it's in ignorance. You're contradicting yourself and the word and some of the things that he was saying. And that's why so we got to be very particular in the, in, in the world today because there are many idolaters. Yes. And we know that God's going to destroy the idols and the idolaters. Mm-hmm. Both will be destroyed. So we're looking at the summation of Baal here. Hasn't been destroyed without an arrow shot and forth. Without any deaths or anything, Cyrus diverted the river and came in to Babylon and conquered the Babylonians and took away their God. It, it wasn't for money or hire. You read that the other day in the 45th chapter, 13th verse. It wasn't for money or hire that he was doing this. But as kingdoms rise and fall, a lot of times we do God's bidding without knowing we're doing God's bidding. And then sometimes we come to realize that it's God that's bidding us to do things that he told Cyrus, I have bidded you to do this. You are my anointed. You are my anointed servant. And that he was going to do all that I, he was going to do and accomplish all I was going to give you to do in righteousness. This is something, if it's in God's righteousness, his righteousness, that's something that's imputed unto us. That's something that he gives unto us that we have to pull off the old man. We have to realize that what we're doing, you know, I was telling you, told y'all Wednesday about my nephew or whatever. A lot of the things he does in kindness, a lot of the things that the gentleman that you were talking about is in kindness and everything. And only God can sort that out in the end, whether it really was God. Because that couldn't be their righteousness, their own righteousness. But he says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's going to be a many of people that have done things in God's name. They said, didn't we feed the needy? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? But he'll say, I never knew you. As I was telling the gentleman the other day, I don't know. Your motivation is self. You're doing this for self. and You're talking about the churches and against the churches. And the only way out of here is in the church. It's through the church. That's what he gave his life for. That's his bride, the church. And now you're talking against the church. You're saying you're out of the church and what the preachers want or whatever. Well, no one wants your money. It's like Cyrus. This wasn't about the money. So whoever will go back and worship the Lord. So you could attribute it to that the preacher wants your money, the church wants your money, or your spouse wants your money, or someone 
whatever you attribute it to, that's going to be between you and God when that decision, because judgments will come. That judgments will come. What you were going to church for, I know not. Hopefully it's to serve the Lord and it's to please God and that he had chosen you and you're a called out person. You're the one of the ones he saved. But it might not be. You may not be one of the trees that he planted. And he said every tree that he had not planted will be hewed down at the root of the tree. Amen. These people were carried off to Babylon. Babylon at that time, we see where Jeremiah was told to prophesy and to speak and that all nations would drink of the wine of his wrath. The wine of his wrath. In other words, they'll receive the doctrine, doctrines and instructions and some of it biblical instructions. But without the spirit of God within you, if you hadn't been born again, and if it's not being spirit led, it could be twist and turn to your own destruction because we see Satan coming up to Jesus Christ and what was he doing? He was quoting scripture but he was twisting it, the scripture around and he didn't understand the meaning. So there are many of people, you could pick up the book of Revelation and say, oh we see a third of the population destroyed. We see the vows. You can see a lot of things in the word of God but it's like the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, do thou understand this what thou read. Yes. <laughs> do you understand what you're reading? Yep. You may have the playbook, but do you understand it? Does it make sense to you? I, I told you the first point was warfare. Yes. In this warfare, you can pick up the books, but you won't be able to read it. And the Bible tells you throughout that you can read the word of God. You can study the word of God and not know mm -hmm. unless God open your understanding and birth you into the body of Christ and quickens and make you alive. Why do you think we have so many preachers and teachers and people in the churches? Well, you may be halfway right by saying everybody in the church won't be saved, but I know one thing. It is necessary that you must be born again and that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. So I know it's not exclusionary of the church. I know that he said this was the way. And that was his authorized representative on the earth. Yes. He said, I told him, I said, well, what church? He said, well, I don't go to church right now. Mm -hmm. Well, that told me a whole lot about him. You remember we said we can read the tea leaves, in other yes. words. Mm -hmm. So if you forsake, and I told him, I said, well, please, doesn't you say forsake not to assemble together of yourselves? And he was telling me about the different aspects of what the church was wanting and what the people wanting. I said, but it, what it seems like to me, you're not a good follower. You want to be one that stand up on your soapbox. You want to preach or lead or whatever, you know, but if you're not a good follower, you can't really be a good leader. If you don't know how to follow, you won't necessarily be able to lead. As I left him, I tried to tell him, that's just, I had to end up walking away. Sometimes you have to be rude. So I had to walk away, but he was still running his gap with some, talking to some women and thing around on the other side or whatever. I wouldn't sit down on the other side to get away from him. But they also told me something about 
what type man he was if he continued on the conversation and saying this and saying this about me in the church and all these things. It told me a lot about him. But here God, when he says Baal and Nebo were being hauled away, these was extravagant gods the people said. It says, uh, listen to me, the idols of Babylon, Baal, and Nebo are being hauled away on ox carts. But look, the beasts are stumbling, the cart is turning over, the gods are falling out unto the ground. So all of those things you said that you did growing up, uh, football games, uh, whatever you invested your money in, your homes, you know, you didn't see some mansions and things falling apart, being torn down, the Crystal Cathedral or whatever. You, there's a lot of ministers that have been through here. You remember uh, Abernathy was going to buy that whole block down there on Choctaw or whatever. And a lot of big churches have arisen up or whatever. But God tells them about Shiloh and Bethany. He said, go back and visit those. All of those places that turned to idolatry and made idols and things, look at the end result of those things. You know, I used to serve those gods myself. I used to waste time, and I understand it's about redeeming the time. And they didn't have it as much in our day as it is today where you could watch football network all the football you want to watch yeah. but man I would used to cry when the Cowboys would lose or whatever and that doesn't give me a make a difference a, a heel of beans whether they win or lose yes. sometimes I feel better if they do lose or whatever but all those idols have passed away those glory days of the Super Bowls and things and the people that follow those things, they couldn't tell you what year someone won the Super Bowl unless you have it fab or whatever, and they go from team to team. Yes. yes. The athletes that are on those teams, they'll make millions of dollars and you buying their jerseys, a hundred, two hundred dollars for a jersey or something the very next season or that same season, they'll trade away from that team and now you stuck with a jersey. That guy's no longer with that team and with some other team or whatever. All of those idols and television shows and things that we see as significant are up and down. The people that went to bat for Donald Trump, they wouldn't talk against him or whatever. But now, since he's losing out and it's not as idolized by others as he was, he's becoming a... a something, a relic of the past to some of them now. They're moving on to the next hot thing. That's what they do with everything. And the Nebos and the Bells and things, all those things are tossed to the side. But the only thing that you do for the Lord is what's going to last. Unless the Lord build a house, it won't endure. And so they strip these idols, they strip Baal and Nebo because there were a lot of money placed on these idols, the gold that they were made of and the things that they were made of, but now they're being sold for junk. All of those things have moved on, you know. There's a different gambling place. There's different things that it's in. It's it's a whole... That's how the world is. It comes and goes. But if we look at Christ, 
you hear about Daniel, you hear about Isaiah, you hear about Moses, because if Moses would have got carried about with Pharaoh and Egypt and the wealth of Egypt and hadn't turned his back on it, you wouldn't have heard much about Moses because he wouldn't have been etched into permanence because he wouldn't have been serving God. We don't even know which Pharaoh it was. I think it's Pharaoh Ramses or whatever, what Pharaoh that was against Moses that Moses fought with. But we do know of the name Moses. We do know of Abraham and Job, the servants of God. It says, whatever you do for God, alas. Yes. So these things come and go. How about that vehicle that you just had to have? Mm. That car that you invested so much in, that you placed all this value in and spent so much time washing it and caring for or whatever. You end up getting another car, huh? Yes. You end up forgetting that, junking it and hauling it and all. It says don't invest in things here on earth where moth and rust are corrupt or whatever. But the word of God endured forever. Amen. So Amen. That's, that's why you need to study the word of God and let God build your character and build who you are. That what becomes eternal is what God's making you. For if you if you made by these idols, idols come and go. Nobody knows about Parliament Funkadelic. The Creed Franklin has taken over their lyrics and things. He's making tons of money with under Christian music, and people don't realize if you was a Funkadelic fan and heard about the mothership connection and all this you'll see that Craig Franklin is making millions off of it as Christian songs nowadays. Mm. But that's because you're into music and into these things and not realize what's being said. Mm. And I told one of my children, I said, no, that, that song is flashlight. I don't care what he's saying. That's, that's flashlight. I know the word, the, the lyrics. I know the music to flashlight when I hear it, even though Craig Franklin's have putting spiritual words to it. Yes. It's like when Ray Charles crossed over, did the crossover with gospel, with rhythm and blues and his type of singing, and the guy came on and said, man, that's gospel music, that's gospel that you're doing that too. That's some of the most profitable music it is, now it's gospel music. Yes. We see the people hadn't been converted, they hadn't changed. And that's where we get tripped up just because somebody is saying God's name just because he's preaching or teaching. That doesn't mean he's a child of God, that he's a real Christian person. The devil, the, to counterfeit something, to actually be a counterfeit, you actually have to be close to real, that you really can't hardly tell the difference between it. So to, to know real money, to know the real God, you have to be a Christian. It says it's impossible to deceive the elect. So treasury agents and things don't study counterfeit money because there are so many different counterfeits. Yes. You have to know the real and then you can say, that's not real. So by the things the guys were saying yesterday, I can tell he wasn't real and he wasn't real. See, because there's so many different counterfeits, you can't tell, well, this is counterfeit on this, this is counterfeit. But one thing we could know, 
if we know the real, we know you're not the real thing. Yes. You know coke, you know what the real thing is. Yes. And so you haul all that off that's not real. All that's chaff, that's wind or dust. It says if this man doesn't bring forth this doctrine, fear not that man. So if, if you're not of God, I understand that you are Jehovah Witness. Or you're a I, don't un, I understand what you are, but I know you're not a child of God, so I don't fear you. You only fear God. Yes. Fear not him that can destroy the body and soul, but fear him the whole that can destroy the whole body, soul, and spirit and cast it in the hell after them. Amen. Yes. So we see that idols many and being close replicas of these things. Uh, Jeremiah says, as the people of God do battle in these last days, we must overcome all of the idols. Uh, I hate to do so much reading a lot of times, but you know what? Reading and studying and bringing in the Word of God nowadays, it's the only, kind of the only way to do things because when you let feelings and emotions get in there, and I was, my mother used to take us to a Baptist church, uh, Reverend Alexander, when we were young, over on Thomas Road, mm -hmm. Beach Grove yes. Baptist Church. But, you know, emotions and feelings, and you can do everything, feel good. But if it doesn't have spiritual, if it doesn't have spiritual contents, it's not etched on the soles of your spiritual mind. Hmm. So Jeremiah was telling about the false prophets and the people that were coming to worship in the 10th chapter of Jeremiah. 8 through the 18 verse, it says, The wisest of men who worship idols are altogether stupid and foolish. They bring beaten sheets of silver from Tarshish and gold from Euphrates and give them to skillful goldsmiths who make their idols. Then they clothe these gods in raw purple robes that expert tailors make. But the Lord is the only true God, the living God, the everlasting King. The whole earth shall tremble at his anger. The world shall hide before his displeasure. Say to this to those who worship other gods, your so-called gods who have not made the heavens and earth shall vanish from the earth. But our God formed the earth by his power and wisdom and by his intelligence. He hung the stars in space and stretched out the heavens. It is his voice that echoes in the thunder of the storm. He causes mist to rise upon the earth. He sends the lightning and brings the rain. And from his treasures, he brings the wind. But foolish men without knowledge of God bow before their idols. It is a shameful business that these men are in for what they make are frauds. Gods without life or power in them. All are worthless, silly. They will be crushed when their makers perish. But the God of Jacob is not like these foolish idols. He is the creator of all, and Israel is his chosen nation. The Lord Almighty is his name. Pack your bags, he says. Get ready now to leave. The siege will soon begin, for suddenly I'll fling you from the land and pour great troubles down. At last you shall feel my wrath. See, there's a spiritual battle going on and you don't have to be tied up with other people's idols or other people's religions or 
other people's foolishness or to waste your time. Once you start learning of the true God, praying to God, listening and seeking and hungering and thirsting after his word, you'll see accumulation of different people speaking his word, different venues in which you can watch television, entertainment, and, and be entertained, and still God's going to be talking to you and leading you because you're his child. He says, I'll carry you. I carry you, and I'll carry you in good and bad times. So there's a lot of children of God that sit down to take. They'll watch that football game. They'll watch basketball or baseball. They'll watch movies and everything and be entertained and get some substance of God through that because all that is in the world, God had made that, but who we serving is according to what we derive out of that. Yes. You see, because to the wicked, it will be wicked. Even the plowing is wicked from the wicked. God is angry at the wicked even when they plow. When they pray, God is angry at the wicked, whatever they do. So yes, there's entertainment, and God says there's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and enjoy the fruit of his labor. Amen. But if that's sinful, if, if you've done sinful things to obtain that, if your motivation is wicked, if you've planted and deceived in that, sooner or later you'll be buried along with that, and it'll be buried and taken away from you. But if it's of God, you'll enjoy that to the fullness, mm -hmm. that you'll be happy and successful in that. You won't be envious, but God will be shaping right. your character at that time. Mm -hmm. We have one of our members, and I asked us to pray. And, and when I asked us to pray, and, and I'm telling the church and giving them different things to pray for, if this a part of incorporated a part of your life, God knows those that are praying. God knows those. I don't, I, I'm not in your mind. I'm not in your house. I don't know what you're doing or saying. But God knows. You're saying how good a spirit our sister was in and that she was in high spirits and saying this. This, this is a person that's faced with awful, this, this way out that she has. And they said, this is incurable. We're not going to be able to cure you of this, but we can make you, we'll try to make you comfortable during this time. But see, what I thank God for is the years throughout the years, the preaching and teaching, the foundation, the structure that we've had, that she's not fearful of death. She's not fearful of leaving because she's served God in the things where she's applied her life to God, where she's applied her finances to God. Each and every, during the week, she's consistently cash appering over offerings and tithes. She's blessing and asking how's my wife and asking how's this person and that person in the church. She's high in spirits and there's no negativity there because of the God she served because those that wait upon the Lord. That we care for those in God, care for us, but there's a way we have to leave this world at some time and place of effort. But 
How we leave is, is what's determined. How a Christian leaves is what's the, the big issue. How are we leaving this world? Are we taking it to heart? Uh, in the book of Colossians, the first chapter of, of Colossians, we read uh, 16 verse, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. You remember he said, told us the vanity of serving gods that didn't create these things and that he created all of these things and he created them for us to be used and he'll carry us through these things and he'll share it and that He'll comfort us all the way through the end so the righteous are being taken away, but you'd have been that went before this earth and you'll know that in whom that is that secure you. In other words, secure. In other words, who carry you. Who embraces you. The God of all comfort. He's the one that she says she's not in any pain. I'm glad of that. She's not in any pain. But God takes and puts your mind up on him. She really says, Pastor, make sure you get those papers to me. She can read these things. You brought some papers to her the other day. That's the only comfort we could have sometimes is the word of God. See, when, when our focus is up on us, when our focus is up on our condition, our fo- focus is up on the things and the things of the world, we've lost perception of God in our focus is not upon Jesus. That's when we start to we start to lose composure. We start to lose the essence of who we are. When Stephen was being stoned to death, he looked up and he saw Jesus. He beheld Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Are you beholding Christ in your latter years? Because he never leave you and he have never forsaken you. Jesus. Oh, it, it's hard. Things are hard. Sometimes we may be losing our sight. We may be losing our health. We be may be losing our mobility. You know, sometimes as you get older, you, you kind of lose your appetite in different things. I was talking to you about the doctor the other day. He said, how are you feeling the other night at 829? I don't know, you know, I said, I may have a little headache, but 829, I said, I watch TV and thing. I don't know about these people when they can tell you what they was doing at that minute or whatever. He said, well, at 829 Tuesday night, that computer registered that you was, your heart started racing and it raced for about 15, 20 seconds. And he says, you need to, they called me Wednesday, say, you need to come. I think that was Wednesday, was it Monday or whatever? Say, you need to come in. That was Tuesday because it was Wednesday we didn't have Bible study. He says, you need to come in. He says, you need to come in. And they took an echocardiogram and some other things and searched out my heart. And he says that I'll give you this metoporal. I'll put you on this to slow the raising down. I thank God for that technology or whatever. You know, in olden days, a lot of us didn't realize when a heart attack or a stroke or something was coming or whatever, but I was sustained through that. But 
I was telling my daughter about it. This guy in the Washington he heard me telling my daughter. He told me, people talking about these doctors. The doctor can do this and God know how to do this. But God had given us doctors. Yes. I, I've never told anyone not to see a doctor. But God had given the doctor knowledge and education and to serve and service man. He was talking against the doctor or whatever. I said, well, you know, my doctor, I have more confidence and hope in him because than I do of you. On my way out of my doctor the other day, he's the one stopped. He's always respected me as a, a minister, and he always asked about the church and different things. He said, well, look, let me pray for you. And he held my hand and hold me down, and he prayed for me. But you, when I told you something, we was talking about something, you 70 years old and talking about you fight somebody. I want. I say, well, those aren't the words of a Christian person fighting and violence and everything. Because you're trying to make a racial issue out of some of these things and you're blaming the Hispanics for these things and you're talking about fighting and everything. This is not going to be won by fighting and fighting a physical enemy. The Hispanics hadn't done me anything, just like the Caucasians or the blacks or anything. We are our own worst enemy. It's no enemy to learn to fight. We have to see that the reason God is not stopping the wars is he didn't start the wars. And you have to learn to live for God and that God will fight your battles for you. That's what he did for Sarah. All of the idols and the things that we worship your strength could be taken away from you. He just could walk. All of that stuff he had to do or whatever. No wonder you're in the condition you're in now because you're fighting your own battles and you've worshipped the gods of this world. And they're going to be hauled or carried off just like one day they're going to haul or carry you off. But spiritually, as we grow older, we should be bringing forth fruit unto the Lord. By you praying, by you praying, your prayers, you knowing the word of God that imputed righteousness that God has imputed unto you, you're witnesses of God to glorify God. So you still doing the work of God, even though you don't have the physical strength, you still telling people about Jesus, a living a life where people can see the life that you're living, you're still in this battle. You're being productive in this battle, whereas other people that's talking what it is, foolishness and stupidity. And the Bible tells us not with vain conversation or foolish talking. So the people in line with you, they were talking religious talks. Their actions was matching. They said, well, can I help feed you? Can I buy you a meal? And talking about the Lord, those actions match what they were saying. When our actions doesn't match what we're, what we're saying, we become hypocritical. It's, that's a hypocrite to do one thing and say one thing and do another. Yes, That's what he was talking about, the Pharisees. That's the ones that's going to be destroyed or carried away. They forget God. In the very breath that they declare God. And we see this politically here now, our leaders. And that's what Jeremiah and Isaiah was warning them. Beware of your leaders. They're causing you to be carried away into captivity. 
because of these same political leaders that I was listening at. One of our former presidents the other day, Obama, was talking about Herschel Walker or whatever. The only reason that this guy is running for this office uh, and some of the hypocrisy he's done or whatever, it doesn't match who he say he is or what a leadership of our community are. By being black or African American, we don't we don't suggest that that, that would be a company leader, uh, a leader of corporate leader of the people or represent his people. As Obama, a family man, president, ex president of the United States, that that wasn't much that they can find on him to pull him down. But as much as this guy's done, uh, Walker has done and. Uh, with the women and not with his children and not living the life nice of something about his residency. There's something about a Christian if, if our lives are, are full of discrepancies like that. If people can see we're not living to the tenets of a Christ-like life, that's why with David, God punished David. David went to the grave and his children was fighting one another. He says, the sword will never leave your house. Yes. Because you've killed Uriah with the edge of the sword. Mm. Don't say you're living for God and your life is in shambles and people seeing these things because it says you caused my name to be blaspheming among the Gentiles, among the people. And, and that's what he Isaiah was warning the people. When you go to Babylon, don't get tied up in the Babylonian system because he calls us out of the world. Don't be partakers of their world or you'll be destroyed along with them as an idolater. We have to be in the world but not of the world. We have to set ourselves in close proximity to the church, to the word of God, in that we stand as a bronze, as bronze. Bronze is a is a metal that shows going through the fire that that goes through judgment or whatever, and still be able to stand. During this time, our sister is going through what she's going through, but she's enduring the fiery trials that are coming her way, showing herself Christ-like. Don't love the world or choose the things other of the world over the things of God. We'll be carried away into into captivity sooner or later, and that's what Job says. He didn't understand that <clears throat> that the evil, their prosper, their children, uh, in prosperity or whatever, God says, but. They'll soon slip. Fret not themselves for the evil doers, for they soon shall be carried away. They'll soon pass away. We have to make sure that we're in God or we'll be carried away just as Baal and Nebo has. That we have to make sure we're following God's word because it rains on the just and the unjust, so there's a lot of word of faith and a lot of people that's going on. And it seems as though they're, they're, they're God-fearing people are there in God, but they tend 
to produce idols and produce idolatry. That's what happened to the church. I keep telling people about this church that he was fighting against. Look at the condition of this church, and hopefully the members of this church, none of them are in this condition of this spiritual condition. And it's in the book of Revelations, the third chapter of Revelations, and we'll start about the uh, 14th verse, and it says, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things. When it says to the angel of the church, it's to the minister of that church. In other words, to the pastor, the one that's leading the church, and this is what you tell the church. He says, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation. I know thine works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, that you're not fully following God, but you're not against God. You're not fighting. You're not out of the church. He says, but you're lukewarm. You're neither hot or cold. He says, so I will spill you out of my mouth. In other words, you're in the church, but you're not on fire for the church. Your works and your actions lead people to be able to see different things and I'm not going to grant you strength to continue on because you're not getting hotter and stronger. You're not fortifying yourself in the Lord. You're holding on to the world. The Laodiceans was a wealthy church. They're not lazy people. But listen to what he says. Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that you are wretched, naked, miserable, poor, and blind. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white and have white raiment. This white raiment is the righteousness of the saints. You hadn't put on Christ. You've been in the church all of this time. You hadn't put on Christ and pull off the world. The world is riches in the wealth and the things of this world. And so you're comfortable. You're living a nice life. And that's what I say is misleading when God is blessing. And he says, you've forgotten who's given you power to get well. You know, so if you're a preacher, a teacher, a deacon, or just a choir member, a church member, and you're in church and you're doing pretty good, that doesn't mean that you are saved, that you have salvation, that you're on fire for the Lord. You just bought fire insurance. You thought you bought fire insurance. But he says, I counsel thee to buy of me so that your nakedness and your shame doeth not appear. He says, anoint thine eyes with eyesight that thou might, mayest see. He says, whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Turn. If he's telling you to repent, that means you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. He says, turn and repent. Because there are those in the church in this end time that hadn't repented. Look at those in the ninth chapter of Isaiah. These, I mean, ninth chapter of Revelation. These would be some of the ones like Baal and Nebo that are being carried off, that are being stripped, that are being destroyed. Uh, the first section I want to read is section 6 through uh, chapter 9 of Revelations, uh, verses 
6 through 12. It says, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and should desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns of, like gold, and their faces were as faces of men. And they had hair as hair of women, and their teeth was as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of battle, of horses running to the battle. And they had... And they had tails like the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. He was sending all of these plagues, all of this damage upon people in the church, trying to get them to turn loose and release the idols, release these things that were holding them into bondage, because in the book of Galatians it says, no idolaters, no murderers, no people that defile themselves with men, no worshipers of these things, no liars shall inherit the kingdom of God. So these that he loves, he's chastening, but there are some that he has to bring death on. Remember I told you Anas and Sapphira who lied to the Lord and who still was gaining their wealth, holding on to wealth? It says as the trumpet poured out these things, he's saying I Thus I saw the horses and the, and the vision of them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and jasmine, that he was sending all of this tribulation upon them. In other words, these was difficulties in their lives. It may have been ill health. It may have been poverty. It may have been divorces. It may have been rebellious children. It may have been divorced and all of these things, but they still, it says, verse 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands and that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, of their sorcerers, none of their fornication, none of their thefts. So in the book of Revelations at the end, he said, he that is unjust, let him remain unjust. He that is unrighteous, let him remain unrighteous. Some of this stuff will not leave the people. The people will not divorce themselves away from the things of the world. He tells us to come out of the world, come out of Babylon, Love not the world, nor the things of the world. For those that love the world are enemies of God. So do you choose God, or do you choose stuff? You cannot serve God in mammon. He says, all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, it is not of God. It is not of God. If you've received the love of the things of this world, and that's what you run after, these superstitions, he's going to destroy the idols and the idolaters in righteousness. We'll be those vehicles. If we're instruments of God, 
Remember I said instruments of God as, as Cyprus was, as Cyrus was. That instrument of God is an instrument of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones he says, you must hate your mother, father, sister, brother, even your own life for my sake. Take up your cross and follow after me. So we have to start standing up for that which is right. We have to put on Christ to be clothed in his righteousness. Yes. That's what he's looking for. That's why he says when the righteous are taken away and no man laid it to heart, it's going to be a lot of people in this church and in the battle, uh, as I'm saying about one of our members, that may not finish the battle, but have fought a good fight. And why did God take them out or why did God remove them? We know not. Not that they were lost, but that they could, they didn't, they wasn't, it wasn't meant for them to finish this fight. But there are many people in this fight that's going to increase in knowledge and understanding that pull off the old man. They're going to be 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, 100 years old, however, and still fighting the fight. He'll, it says people are living to their hundreds. And, still, and if he died 100, they, they wonder what happened. Why did he die so young? In other words, the kingdom of God is coming to the earth. As we lay down a dollar tree, as we wait up on the Lord and pull off, we will see a lot of these people that used to run this race that's not running this race anymore. And that's, that's what I want us to see as a church. I want us to be here. I, I want our children, I want us to see our children come into the church. I want us to see our friends. I want us to see the church. Are we praying? that he sent four more laborers in the church to build the ruins of David. Yes. In other words, the tabernacles that's been destroyed, the church that has been destroyed, are we taking a vested interest in preaching and speaking the word? That's the only thing that's going to give us our strength. There will come that hope. We should have that hope. That's the hope of the restoration that Christ has given us that will be overcome us and overcome as he did and set in heavenly places. That we'll have homes and friends and countless wealth upon this earth in this life that we'll be able to pull off the old man, that we'll pull off sickness. That our sight would grow back, that he would give us our sight. He says, anoint thine eyes with our sign that not only spiritual sight, but physical sight. You remember Moses said his sight wasn't dim when he climbed the mountain. He was some 120 years old at that time. Yes. That we would renew our strength. As these idols are being taken away, we fret not thyself because of evildoers, that we would be fighting the battle. And fighting the battle means speaking for the Lord, doing for the Lord, not just sitting passive and watching this going by, but we then pull off murmuring and complaining and all of these things of the flesh. We can actually pull these things off as we put on Christ. We can put on immortality. We can put those things, we can pull off corruption and put on Incorruption. 
That, that's what he, because when, once we be walking by faith, these are the children of Abraham to realize by his stripes we were healed. That's going to be a, a many a thing that we're going to overcome in this life. As we waken and as we speak this to others, and he's going to give us power to speak and a thing come to pass. He's going to give us power to inspire others to live for God, but that as we speak, others will be cut off. The idolaters and the idols will be cut off. That we will rule with a rod of iron. What's the rod of iron? His word. By exercise of use of his word, by repeating and using his word over and over in living the word, it becomes our life. It becomes our strength. How would you like to be 85, 90, 100 years old and still get about like a young man? Still with vigor and vitality to do the Lord's work. We're looking at the end time church as God breathing breath into it. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Can these bones live again? He says, preach unto the bones. And he put life into those bones. Those dead bones live again. Life will come into our dead bones. The strength will come into our dead bones. All those that were against you, it says, will bow the knee. How would you like the enemy to bow the knee? To overcome those that fought against you, that speak against you. All tongues will be silent. As the children of Israel was leaving out of Egypt, it said a dog didn't bark. You'll have power and authority to rule and reign here on earth. That's what he promised as his kingdom coming. Right? That we would rule and reign with Christ. Are we looking for that? Are we looking for the dissipation of the idols that they would be cut off, that the evildoers would be cut off, that be become chaff as wind blown away, that we'll see the destruction of those that had done these things that had cursed and spoke against us. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God,